through thanks to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 <coughs> and read again verse 5, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates. Now we were looking recently at <coughs> the question of Christian assurance of salvation. And last time we spent uh, uh, a fair bit of thought on um, just what we would call in our Presbyterian tradition marks of grace. What is it that distinguishes in one direction or another? What is it that, that distinguishes the, the, the Christian, the true Christian, from uh, other people? And I think that we need to <coughs> complete that uh, uh, study uh, with uh, another thought, and uh, it's a very simple exercise this evening, uh, but it, it, it centers on the question, why is it that some Christians, and I mean real Christians, lack assurance? Because that many real Christians do, uh, there can be no doubt. And the first thing uh, we'll have to clear out of the way is that <coughs> illness, uh, sickness, <coughs> physical or mental illness can very seriously affect assurance. Somebody asked old uh, Dr. Archibald, Archibald Alexander, the, the famous president of Princeton Theological Seminary, uh, somebody asked him one day if he always had assurance. And he got the strange reply, it sounded strange at first, he said, nearly always, except when there's an east wind. Now, I'm not clear whether he meant that he had a bad chest, the, 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 the biography, or the, the snippet of biography doesn't tell, and that therefore when there was an east wind, he really got ill, or whether he was tending to use the, uh, the thing, east wind metaphorically, and saying that when he was in trouble, then he didn't, he very often didn't have assurance. But he said nearly always, except when there's an east wind. And I think you can see what he meant. Often, real, earnest Christian believers um, will doubt their salvation uh, when, at a time previously, there was, they didn't have any doubt. They, they were like Cooper, uh, enjoying the blessedness of the Lord when first they sought the Lord. And other Christians uh, didn't have any doubt about the reality of their Christianity. But when they have become ill, uh, they have begun to doubt, they become weak in body, they become questions if they ever were real Christians. Not, uh, you know, there's such an interaction between mind and body. I, I can remember an old man who went on a, a dieting plan without consulting his doctor and he got into a real state of decline. And the whole thing just uh, put his assurance to the winds. And it took quite a long while before he got it back. So we've got to put that at the very forefront there that illness, mental or physical illness, can affect and has often affected the sense of assurance that real, true, earnest Christians have had. 
Now we want to say that if we have ever truly come to Jesus, to be our Savior and, and, and ever truly enjoyed through the gospel, around the centralities of the gospel, it's got to be that, around the atonement, around the blood of Jesus, uh, enjoyed the sense of God's favor and blessing, then however we feel now, God will never leave us nor forsake us. Remember the beautiful words of Isaiah 5.10 on this precise point. Who is, who is among you that feareth the Lord? That's it. Well, do we fear the Lord? Do we love the Lord? Who is he that uh, among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of the, his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the Lord. The darkness will pass. Let him trust in the Lord and stay upon his God. But then we must move on to this thought that um, a Christian, a true Christian, and a Christian who's enjoyed a lot of assurance will uh, find doubts creeping in and will lose assurance where he or she omits to perform some duty or duties that they, that they should be attending to, or on the other hand, where they commit sin of some kind. Your iniquities, said the prophet, have separated, talking to Israel, between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. This is always the, a consideration that we have to look at. Remember Christians in Pilgrim's Progress found themselves in Doubting Castle where the, ma the person in charge was giant despair. And how did he get into Doubting Castle? There was no problem about how he got into Doubting Castle. He had left the King's Highway, he saw all the attractions of Bypass Meadow and he climbed over the stile into Bypass Meadow that he shouldn't have been at all. And giant despair got him and uh, put him into Doubting Castle. The famous uh, Reverend uh, uh, John Angel James, to whom uh, students of theology are very indebted for his many books, uh, he said uh, when he was near the end of his life, he said that he knew many Christians who lived in Doubting Castle. And he said that from the careless style of their lives, he would have been very surprised to find them living anywhere else than in Doubting Castle. What he meant by carelessness was spiritual carelessness, you know, not living close to the Lord or uh, keeping close to the Lord. He said he would have been very surprised if, if there were anyone else but in Doubting Castle. And John Newton, the famous hymn writer, said, he said, I wouldn't give a straw for the, that, that kind of assurance that sin will not doubt. What he meant was that, that if it's real Christianity, then sin will bring doubts. Of course, if we've got the kind of assurance the hypocrite has, like the Pharisee in the temple, who was more sure than he was of his salvation, then nothing will dent it. I mean, you can throw rocks at it, and it'll not, it'll not, there'll be no doubts at all. But if it's real Christianity, then it's easily upset. The balance is easily upset, and the sense of peace with God is, is, easy, is easily upset. And that's what John Newton mentioned. He said, I wouldn't give a, I wouldn't give a straw for that assurance that sin will not die. So let's think, first of all, of how neglecting duties, you know, things that we ought to be doing, if we're real Christians and we love the Lord, if we know the Lord, if we've come to Christ and sought our salvation in Him and been received by Christ, how neglect of some duty or other will rob us of assurance. Well, what about Bible reading and praying? 
there's no mystery here if we lose assurance through uh, neglecting in some way Bible study or prayer I mean spiritual weakness is bound to come and when it comes uh, all the other uh, problems will come with it if we do not take spiritual food from the word of God as we should and, and seek God's blessing in prayer maybe one of our problems uh, I think every Christian knows something about it however we get over it one of the big problems is being afraid of confessing Christ before men, before people, before our peers, before our pals, before our neighbors, before uh, people who uh, were our friends long ago and we become Christians and they haven't. It's a very testing situation. Now if we don't confess the Lord uh, before men, whatever the men are, in our own family sometimes it's most difficult to maintain your Christian witness within your own family sometimes that's the hardest testing ground if we don't confess Christ before men whatever we're afraid of then it's bound to affect uh, our sense of peace with God because we're disputing God and, and he will hide his face from us as the prophet said in the passage I read and he will not hear us now of course we mustn't uh, form absurd ideas of what uh, confessing uh, men before uh, God before men and Christ before men is it's not a matter of uh, running around and telling people loudly all the time and everywhere that, that we are Christians that were born again and badgering people and, and saying to them are you a Christian are you born again there's a place for urgency sometimes so the Lord gives us opportunity but if we go about like that that's not I'm sure it's not the kind of confession that Christ wants nevertheless Everyone who loves the Lord, who knows Christ the Savior, is bound to confess Him. And if we don't confess Him, some way or another, then there's something wrong with our faith. And we've got faith if we don't confess Him at all. We're bound to confess Christ if we know Him as Savior. For example, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to be at this table. If he's not He's not playing with words when he says this do in remembrance of me to those who are his disciples. And if we neglect that ordinance which is to strengthen the believer when we ought to be at the Lord's table, then there'll be no wonder it will have doubt because the Lord will not be pleased with our declining to confess him publicly as he wants us to when we know him as our Savior. And of course, how important it is and how easily we slip up uh, to take the Lord's side on spiritual and moral issues. Now it's easy to take the, the Lord's side on spiritual and moral issues when they're on a national scale, but taking the Lord's side in the locality on moral and spiritual issues, that's the real thing. Uh, but again, uh, who's on the Lord's side? Uh, however we do it, we don't again go about, the, we don't go about shouting and bawling that we're on the Lord's side, but we must take the Lord's side on moral and spiritual issues in the community in the nation too it would be but in any case what I'm, what I'm saying is and it's, it's for me to examine myself first before I get up in the pulpit and address others but if every one of us to examine ourselves we know the Lord uh, let us be sure that there's no blessing will come on our being ashamed of Christ what is wanted is a quiet gentle but nevertheless decided alignment with Christ and his cause and uh, there is a requirement that we speak for him where opportunity offers. Now we, I know that there are situations uh, you know maybe where 
we all know it, there are situations where we've uh, spoken and spoken a lot and perhaps uh, you know things are only getting less respons responsive there's the Peter talking about a family situation where it was a, 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 a where he visualizes that the wife hasn't spoken a lot to her husband it could just as easily be a husband speaking to a wife or a father to a son or a mother to a daughter or vice versa uh, and nothing has happened and, and well he said look uh, there is a case for winning them without the word not forever going on at them uh, if it's going to get their backs up and, 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 and only make them more rebellious then he said there's a case uh, for winning them by a quiet and Christian uh, line, uh, uh, line of conduct keeping his commandments so if we omit to keep his commandments whatever they are we could go on and on then uh, he will not manifest himself to us I think we took this verse up when we were looking at assurance the last time he that hath my commandments and keepeth them he it is that loveth me and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father and I will love him that's not all he says and I will manifest myself to him and if we don't keep his commandments if we're not in the way of keeping his commandments if we're failing more or less seriously in one direction or another then he will not manifest himself to us and that's the same thing as saying he will not have assurance again still thinking about what we may or may in the way of duty are we doing anything to bring our fellow sinners to Christ the command is clear you who believe in my name you shall be my witnesses the man that was delivered of the demons uh, he was given a commission go home to thy friends I'm sure it meant in his own household but I'm sure it meant the neighbours as well the people who had been bringing the faith and the big community of people who home to my friends uh, and, and tell them what great things the Lord has done for them Christians are to be the salt and light of the world we're not to hide our light under a bushel remember John says or at least the revelation of John says at the very last chapter that him that heareth they can now one good meaning of that is that if you know the gospel if you listen to the gospel yourself then you have a responsibility to address the welcome of the gospel to others. Think of the, the, the text, Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. Think what, uh, uh, what efforts we made when we first came to, to Christ to find eternal salvation for us. What, what worry and what uh, anxiety and indeed and terror there was that we wouldn't get the Saviour. Now, we were loving ourselves when we sought Christ. Can we deny, can we possibly deny to our unbelieving friends what uh, we were seeking so earnestly for ourselves love your neighbor as yourself if you were concerned about your own salvation Jesus would say make certain that you're equally concerned about your neighbor's salvation all right we've got to be wise uh, in, a, in, in, in seeking out our family members of our family are not converted or members of the community we've got to be wise yes and patient I know and, and loving of course there's no use kind unless we're loving we might as well give it up Nobody listen to us if we're not loving. All right, wise, patient, loving, yes indeed. But it must be done. Christ makes promises and precious promises to faithful witnesses. <clears throat> Go into all the world and, and, and preach the gospel to every creature and lo, I am with you, I'll be with you. Because I've, given, I've been given authority and a power in heaven and in earth so that you'll be helped to be faithful to me and so that you should be successful witnesses.
we mustn't neglect praying for our family and, and friends and, and our neighbors that they may find Christ we were talking this morning about praying for <coughs> our generation that the Holy Spirit <coughs> would catch them so that they would want to come and hear the gospel that it, it can't be left there it's not enough for us to pray we have to, we have to, to, to seek to bring the gospel to people find ways of the, uh, bringing people to the house of God uh, that's something that I find very difficult uh, I've had to resort to all sorts of dodges in my ministry to get people to come to church sometimes it took a long long while it couldn't happen overnight and, and I suggest that every Christian may have to resort to all sorts of dodges in a good sense all sorts of stratagems all sorts of tactics in order to get people to receive a trust even but we should try and ask people to come to the house of God uh, to ask people to join in on Bible study to perhaps to come to prayer meetings certainly I read of a woman and <coughs> not so long ago who used to bring about a dozen people each Sunday to church <coughs> now she didn't get these results by sitting at home and, and saying well I would like to so and so but I will so and so to come to church she must have gone and said look uh, how would you like to come along to church tonight she used to bring a dozen well maybe she was living in a, in a time of special blessing, I don't know. Uh, I just don't know the circumstances, but at least if one woman can do it, uh, other people can do it, and whatever the difficulty is, if we can't get a dozen, we might get one or two or three. There's a cross in it. It's, it's, it's never going to be easy. <clears throat> it's never going to be that difficult to try and get people interested in the gospel as part of our cross. But we've got to take up the cross. And there is, of course, a, a, a case, and, a, and a, as the Lord may give us opportunity, we should pray for that and speaking to our neighbour alone about that. Praying with our neighbour, opportunity arises. What about letters? Many people have. It's, it's, it's a way of doing it sometimes. <coughs> Many people have written letters uh, to unconverted acquaintances, and the letters have been blessed. So books and traps. The famous Reverend Webb Hepworth. He was one of the very early Catholic speakers. <coughs> Do you know how he was converted? <coughs> Not in that church, but at the Derby <coughs> on the race course. And some person at the race course came up and gave Hepworth a trap. That's what converted him and he became a wonderful witness for Christ, wonderful preacher of the gospel. <coughs> but in any case, whatever the sacrifice, it will only be a little sacrifice compared to what Christ did for us some little sacrifice will be made to visit somebody <coughs> maybe something that's the best thing in our modern circumstances a visit to a home and just get talking and not produce the Bible keep it in your pocket or leave it at home and try and talk to somebody that, that's a very good way uh, <coughs> or get somebody uh, get involved in some way in bringing the gospel uh, to, uh, to your, 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 your fellow sinners now, if we don't, <coughs> in the measure that you and I don't uh, uh, endeavour to bring the gospel to, to those who are perishing without it, we're displeasing the Lord, and if we're displeasing the Lord, then he'll not be healing us. We'll, not, we'll lose some measure of assurance. We're apt to think of sin as sins of commission, but there are sins of omission. And maybe we're looking and trying to, and rightly so, 
to keep our lives clean of sins of commission as far as we can, but what about all the things that we're omitting to do? Then what about some sin that I or you may be committing? I suppose when <coughs> it's the way people's minds go in, in society when we talk about sin, people tend to think of the grosser sins, you know, the more fleshly sins. And of course, if we are involved in thought, word, or action in fleshly sins, there's no doubt at all that they'll bring doubt into the uh, Christian's life, even the, the Christian who's had the most assurance. Just think of David, uh, the great psalmist, good, marvelous assurance. Now he lost it almost completely uh, in his in connection with his uh, great sin. But it needn't be that. Uh, you know, there's a temptation to, to say, oh well, well, yes, my mind is not clean, but. Uh, Thank the Lord, by the grace of God, my life is reasonably clean, uh, and, and, and that's it. It needn't be that. What about people that we've injured in some way? Look at the stress laid by the Bible on getting right with people that, that, that there's, that there's a, a, a disagree, we have a disagreement with. Do we leave the disagreements to fester? Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's somebody's done an injury to us and we're, we're, we're over the years harboring a grudge against that person. There's a bitterness, there's a hardness, there's a nungus, and it's not cleansed, their heart, it's there, it's that, well, right, maybe deep down, but it's there. Well, we may be certain that if that's the case, if we haven't endeavored to put that right and take it to the Lord to get it put right, and, and, and maybe if, it, if it's something that's, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Zacchaeus saying, well, I'm going to put it all right, uh, uh, I'm going to make redress uh, for the damage I've done to people, uh, then get it right with the people concerned by the grace of God. And there's all sorts of other things. Maybe, maybe the world is too much with us. Well, of course, sometimes the world, we can't get away from it in the sense we've got to do our work there. Uh, and there's no excuse for not doing our work. But maybe the love of the world is too much with us and is eating into our assurance. Maybe we're mixing unnecessarily with unbelieving company. We can't possibly escape if we're going to be in this world. Unless we're going to have honesty, we can't escape mixing with unbelieving company in the course of our business and our social life. I mean, even in our families, every family's got some unbeliever. How can you possibly... Uh, it would be sinful to, to turn our backs and, and be discourteous and, and loving uh, to people in our family or neighborhood uh, just because they were unbelievers. But maybe we can mix unnecessarily with unbelieving company. And then we're sure to be infected by the uh, unbelieving outlook. Well, we could go on and, and, and uh, enumerate many sins that we, we can commit that will, uh, will uh, dent, undermine our assurance. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, are there certain things that you're not doing that you should be doing? Are you doing certain things that you ought not to be doing? Then if so, certainly it will affect the assurance of the believer. Sometimes I think one reason for lack of assurance in Christians is uh, perhaps that they haven't got clear enough views about Christ and, and the gospel scheme. Maybe like the Galatians, and there's no suggestion on Paul's part that the, those Galatians weren't real Christians, but they wanted to add a little, just to get to, you know absolutely sure about salvation. They wanted to bring in circumcision, just to you know, improve matters. They trusted in Christ, and he said, look, who's bewitched you? Who's, 
who is it put a spell on you that you should do a thing like that? You came to Christ and you trusted solidly on him and why is it now that you're adding these little bits, touches, as if to improve on the, work, the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ? I think there's one way in which almost any Christian can unwittingly rely on his or her own works. I'm thinking of a situation where we have sinned against the Lord in some way or other and, and, and we've got a guilty conscience and we don't want to come back directly and immediately to Him. No, we must let a little time pass, you know, so that we'll feel better. And of course when you dig into that, what it means is that we, we want to come to the Lord with a, a, our conscience kind of cleansed by what we've done. We want to feel better before we'll come to Him. That's trusting in our own works. Whereas uh, what the Bible says, if any man sin, then don't let him wait. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins. Come at once. If we confess our sins, not if we wait a little while and tidy things up and feel better. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ, God stand cleanseth from all sin. Now, if you take the opposite case, you can get people who treat Christ's salvation too cheaply. In this sense, that they're not concerned so much about bringing forth fruits. They say, oh, the Christ has died, and I'm converted, and I believe in Jesus, and uh, there's no need to get too fussy about the, the way one, about the, 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 the details of one's life. That, but no, the Bible says that, yes, all right, we're justified by faith alone, but the faith that justifies is never alone. We can't presume in God's grace. If we do presume in it and, and live in any way carelessly, then our, our assurance will get rotten. It will, it will just come from. What about this uh, uh, influence for ill upon assurance, where the Christian doesn't think enough about Christ, <coughs> about Christ himself, I mean Christ personally, uh, or hold fellowship sufficiently with them. See, it's one thing to have clear, and, and how important it is to have clear ideas and sound ideas about the atonement. Uh, and about uh, that we're not justified by works but by faith in Christ alone but it's another thing to be coming constantly to Christ personally you can get a real believer, an earnest true believer and you, you wouldn't be able to, to, to uh, spot a single fault in his doctrine of the atonement his doctrine of salvation through faith in Christ but he doesn't live daily in fellowship with Christ he doesn't come to Christ all the time well, that's bound to affect assurance as we go about our daily work, uh, we should be praying to him and thanking him for our salvation and asking for his guidance. That's not something that happens at once. It's something we must practice. Remember the, the, the man who was practicing the presence of God. We've got to work at it. Uh, to hold fellowship with Christ, not just at stated times of prayer when we have our uh, quiet time, as it's called, in the morning or the evening or whenever, but all the time be practicing the presence of Christ. And the measure that we don't, uh, then the quiet times won't do the rest for us. In the measure that we don't seek the hourly fellowship with Christ, or fellowship by the minute in that respect, in that direction, there's going to be uh, an element, an ingredient of, of, of uh, something that will undermine our, our assurance. But then again, <coughs> what about where a person, a Christian, looks overmatch? into his or her own heart and life and what will I see there but sin and not enough 
to Christ and his finished work. Uh, Paul tells us in Galatians 5 that in the believer the flesh strives against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. There's Paul saying, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Well, he had the answer. He looked away to Christ. He said, well, there's only one cure. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no end to this battle. You know, you can be on the very borders of heaven and still the flesh will be striving against the spirit. So that if you look into your own heart or your own life, you're not going to see that spirit to comfort you. The thing is to be looking away to Jesus. And rejoice that although there's still sin stri uh, striving against the spirit in us, the spirit is stronger than the flesh. Walk, you know, the famous, the, the familiar communion chapter, walk in the spirit, the spirit of Jesus, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We should be asking help daily for Christ, from Christ to overcome. I don't know who it was that said that for every look at oneself we should take ten looks at Christ. And then the Christian can lose assurance when he or she is living on feelings and moods instead of on the promises and on the personal work of Christ. Now it's a great thing, don't, don't, let's, uh, don't let's do something stupid and, and, and undervalue happy Christian feelings. They're, they're very important and thank God when we get them. It's great to have happy Christian feelings, but they're not a good basis for Christian assurance and Christian confidence. Uh, the, 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 there are Christians who think that they can't really be Christians unless they're always warm and alive in their prayers, you know, and if they, if they find it that one time they're a little bit cold in prayer, they, they begin to say, oh, well, I can't be a Christian at all. They, they, they're, they're not they don't, they don't feel that they're real Christians unless they're luxuriating in, in waves of Christian emotion. Well, that's simply not, that's not true Christianity. Uh, Simon Rutherford, he always had a delightful way of putting it, old Scottish language, he said, the Lord cannot always be trindling apples with me. The Lord cannot always be trindling apples with me. We walk by faith, not by sight or feelings. We've got to take up the cross. And, and follow Christ. It doesn't mean that the cross is not going to be felt by us. It doesn't mean that we're going to feel happy all the time. How can you be feeling happy when you're l feeling the load of your cross? If you're concerned, let's illustrate. If there are people in your family who are not converted, then you feel that you haven't been doing what you ought to do. And I get that feeling often. Then how can we be happy uh, when we feel this duty and we haven't faced up to it and there's a struggle? You know, we don't, we don't always march boldly and say, right, I'm away to do it. There's this struggle. We can't be happy. We can't look the Lord in the face as long as that's not resolved. So, taking up the cross doesn't mean that there have to be constant waves of Christian emotions. Thank God for them. But they're not always there. Remember the lesson of the, the priest's feet in the, in the Old Testament. The, the priests were to enter the Jordan when the Jordan was at its, uh, at its highest and its uh, worst as a torrent. They went away till the torrent subsided. And yet that's what they, so often Christians want to do. They want to wait for the Lord to come in and the torrent will subside and they'll feel good and they'll have nice emotions and then they'll work for the Lord. Well, alas, it's, it's not often like that. Not, not only is it not always like that, but it's not often like that. 
very often it's a matter of just digging up the cross, just walking into the water simply because the Lord tells us to do it, and then the blessing will come afterwards for obedient walking. And as old Hodge, Dr. Hodge, Professor Hodge used to say, uh, when students said to him that they didn't think they'd really been Christians, well, he said, when I, whenever I feel that, I go back to the Lord again. That's tremendous Christian sanity. Uh, the famous Irish preacher, uh, Mr. Patton, used to say that he had two texts that were uh, 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 like a knocker for him when he felt that he wasn't a Christian. One was, Christ died for the ungodly. Well, he would say, that suits me, I'm ungodly. And the other was, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. And he used to go and say to the Lord, well, Lord, I'm afraid I've never come, but here I am coming. And I'm ungodly, but you sent your son to save the ungodly. The last thing I want to say is this, just briefly. The most common cause of people not having Christian assurance is that they're not Christians at all. That's the commonest reason for lack of Christian assurance where people have heard the gospel, but they haven't responded to the gospel. You know, it would be very difficult for me to feel sure that I had a hundred thousand pounds in the Bank of Scotland for the simple reason that I don't. How can you have assurance about something that you don't possess? The gospel is there. If you, if you haven't come to Christ, then it's there. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and if you come, and cast your sins on Jesus, you'll get plenty of assurance. But there's no other way of getting it. The Israelites who were bitten by the, 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 the poisonous snakes, they could have no healing and no feeling of being he healed until they looked to the brazen serpent that had been appointed by God and Moses put it up on the pole and they had to look there. Then when they did look, they were healed and when they were healed, they felt better. So we will not feel better and we'll have a Christian assurance until we really come to Christ. There's no peace for anybody out of Christ in time or eternity. And the logic therefore is, look to him, accept and have been found in him. And he says, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. You come to Christ, if you've never come before, come to Christ with your sins. And then you'll get all the assurance that you need in the Lord's good time and way. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. But I trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates. May the Lord bless to us his word and his praise. Lord grant that we may make certain of Jesus Christ as our Saviour. We know the gospel, we've heard it often. Lord, let it not be that any one of us shall fall short of eternal salvation. Lord, if we're looking for assurance, grant that we may look on it on, for it only on the basis of actually having come to Jesus and find, of having found rest in him. And Lord, we pray thee for thy people who, who may be uh, lacking assurance, that maybe that they're unwell in some way, then that's affected them. We pray thee for strength, physical and mental strength to be given to them so that their assurance may be restored. If it's the case, Lord, that we're committing sin or we're admitting to do something that we ought to do and our assurance is affected, grant that we may not have any rest until we put matters right. Grant, O Lord, that we may trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and have in him full assurance of salvation. We ask it in his name. Amen.